everyone, and welcome to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns. I'm a doctor of natural medicine specializing in the treatment of infertility via natural and integrative methods. I founded the Naterna Institute in New York City, where my team and I work with women and couples, often in collaboration with Western medical doctors, to guide the path to healthy conception. In this podcast, you'll learn all about your body and everything in the fertility landscape to help you realize your dream of baby. I'll be bringing you the best of advice from experts in the fields of both natural and conventional medicine, as well as the heartfelt and very helpful stories of brave fertility heroes on their path to baby. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining today. Today, I wanted to dig into a kind of sneaky culprit that could influence fertility. In fact, I think it is probably implicated in a lot of cases of unexplained infertility, uh, certainly implantation failure. And the topic of the day is candida and fertility. So what is candida? Candida is a yeast or a fungus that grows. So it's essentially, it's an infection. And we mostly know yeast is an infection that could uh, manifest in our lady parts. So itchy, discharge, you know, just discomfort. However, candida is actually a systemic issue. And so, you know, we tend to think if, if we don't have yeast infection type symptoms, then there's no way that we have candida yeast. But in fact, it can manifest in so many other ways and can actually affect our fertility outcomes. Let's dig in to the the nuances of this topic. How exactly is candida produced? So it's generally mostly related to the balance of our digestive system. And as such, it'll be influenced a lot by what we eat. So things that will make yeast overgrow are things like sugar, yeasty products, acidic foods, which create a more acidic environment internally for the yeast to grow because they love that acidic environment. Antibiotics. So this is a lesser known one and sometimes why I cringe at people using antibiotics unnecessarily is because what happens with antibiotics is that we use them to kill off something. That's great. They serve their purpose. Unfortunately, what happens thereafter is that they've killed off the good bacteria and the good yeast that actually keep the balance in our digestive system. So we take the antibiotics, they kill the bad guys, but they also kill the good guys, and they often lead to rebound infections like yeast infections, like candida infections. And if, you know, you've taken, say, Accutane or just repeated doses of antibiotics for recurrent UTI infections or something like that, you could be more prone to having yeast issues and ones that you're not necessarily aware of. So other uh, things that they're associated with, parasitic infections, hormonal imbalance, digestive issues. Even if you're eating all the right things, sometimes it's just overeating or eating a lot of raw foods, which leads to fermentation of food in your digestive system. It can also be if you're really stressed out and kind of eat on the fly, uh, then you don't digest properly because you're not in rest and digest mode. You're more in, in kind of go, 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 fight or flight mode when you eat. And then the food can sit and ferment and, and have yeast and bad bacteria as a byproduct. Um, some fermented drinks and foods. Unfortunately, um, we look at these foods often more as healthy things like sauerkraut and kimchi and kombucha and things like that. And while they do have some benefits, sometimes if you already have a bit of a yeasty issue, it can exacerbate it. So they may not always be an underlying cause, though they can, if you've got an environment that's already a little bit off, they can make it worse. 
Another thing is hormones. I mentioned hormonal imbalance and how candida is often produced, but it's actually very much produced by taking the birth control pill for a long time. That is known to cause candida overgrowth. It can also happen with the medications used during an IVF cycle or an IUI. That can create the environment where yeast will tend to proliferate. And not just yeast, but other bad bacteria and what have you. But I will say that um, candida is, is the one that we are talking about today. So we'll be focusing on that. And so, you know, the catch-22 is hormones like birth control or other meds during used during IVF can lead to yeast overgrowth and then can affect the fertility. So it's like we're trying to get pregnant and then we're using these medications to get pregnant, but then they lead to yeast overgrowth, which can actually hamper our fertility efforts. The implications of having a candida infection, a silent one, are as much for male as they are for female. So it's been shown in a study that a hostile, in, it creates a hostile environment for sperm and can actually affect sperm quality. And in an IVF study, it showed that because it affects sperm quality, it can actually affect the fertilization and progression of the embryo. Uh, so, you know, we don't look at the male side a lot, but this is one thing that we can pay attention to a little bit. And then um, on the topic of trying to get pregnant naturally, it can actually affect the sperm's ability to swim. So it's motility. So that's, you know, concerning. And, and if anybody has ever done a DNA fragmentation for sperm quality and has had uh, results that are not that good, candida could be one of the things that's implicated in that. And so it not only affects the sperm, but it creates a hostile environment for sperm. So if you are populated with a lot of candida in the reproductive system, then that can actually cause the changes in the sperm and, and it can make it so that they're not going to progress very far. I mean, they're not going to get to your egg or they're going to be weakened and not be able to penetrate your egg. Uh, so again, it's as much for somebody trying naturally as it is for somebody undergoing IVF. On the female side, uh, so it'll affect the, your, the sperm's ability to kind of get to your egg, um, but it also can cause inflammation. Candida is a common cause cause of inflammation. And inflammation, as I've talked about in other podcasts, can affect pretty much everything. So uh, inflammation can affect your egg quality. It can affect implantation. It can affect your ability to produce and regulate hormones. It can affect insulin and blood sugar balance, meaning that you become more insulin resistant and you can't get pregnant or maintain a pregnancy for that reason. It can big time create the wrong environment for implantation. Specifically, it can cause something called endometritis, which some doctors are now testing for. Endometritis is an inflammation of the uterine lining caused by um, bacteria and yeast overgrowth. And candida is a common one that might cause that. And sometimes antifungal medications in conjunction with antibiotics are used to try to kill it off. The problem is what I mentioned earlier is that when you kill it off with these medications, you're also killing off the good guys that keep the balance. So that ends up throwing off the balance more in a long-term way. So you could kill them off temporarily, and then they could kind of come right back with a vengeance if we don't do something to manage the balance of the internal bacterial and yeast balance. So we have to have to put back the good guys, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Another uh, byproduct or negative side effect of candida is that it causes nutrient deficiencies. And so it can pretty much gobble up our, our nutrients or it'll affect our gut health so much that we're unable to absorb things properly. So, you know, you could be eating all the, the good foods and you're really not getting much benefit from them because of the internal environment. 
is, is making it impossible for you to draw the benefit from your food. Also gobbles up hormones and precursors to hormones. So it's like literally eating your hormones so that you could have deficiencies in hormones as a result. So the, some of the, the symptoms of, of candida besides reproductive, because it, it's really elusive in a reproductive setting, because it's kind of like, unless you have a yeast infection or something, you're not really aware you have it. Or maybe if you've done an endometritis test, and then you might know you have it. But Otherwise, you know, you might just have unexplained infertility and have no idea why. And so here are some of the other symptoms that you could look for. Fatigue. And you know that could be a symptom of many, many things, but it, it'll fall into this um, list of symptoms that I'm going to state right now. Brain fog. This is a big one. I actually think brain fog is like one of the main identifiers of a candida infection. Uh, it just makes you feel like you cannot like get your thoughts together or can't think straight you just feel like your head's full of junk, essentially. A thick tongue coating is another hallmark sign. So if you look in the mirror at your tongue and you see like a thick white or yellow coating on top of it, then that could be a sign of candida. Uh, similarly, a bad breath or a bad taste in the mouth. I'm sure uh, with all of us wearing masks these days, we know a little bit more about our own breath than we really want to um, during the age of COVID. So if you notice that you kind of have bad breath, then you might want to think about whether uh, that candida might be a culprit. Pimples and rashes, so basically skin issues, uh, can be a sign that candida is overgrowing. In our digestive system, when you have leaky gut or an imbalance, oftentimes it'll start manifesting on the skin. Eastern medicine actually purports that the large intestine, um, the lung, and the skin are all one. So basically, if you have an imbalance in your gut, you're going to have often an imbalance in your immune system, and then it'll manifest sometimes on your skin. The obvious ones like uh, thick vaginal discharge or itchy vagina, so these are your classic yeast symptoms, but there are other digestive symptoms like bloat, gas, IBS, like diarrhea, constipation, or alternating diarrhea and constipation, or just loose stools, feeling puffy, difficulty losing weight. Recurring UTIs are also a big one, uh, and I think this is really common for women. And, and recurring UTIs can also be associated with estrogen imbalances, which I can get into in another session. Uh, but candida is something that we would look to for that. Nail infections. So if you're kind of like, hmm, why does my fingernail or my toenail look funky? It's more common in toenails than it could be a systemic yeast issue. And usually. Uh, something like that would be treated with a, an antifungal or topically you can put black walnut tincture or you, there's things you can do without having to treat it systemically because the antifungals can be actually a little bit quite hard on your liver actually. And then we get into the fertility stuff again, failed implantation, unexplained infertility, um, inflammation of the uterine lining. We're looking at a systemic issue that's quite rooted in our digestive health but can affect our reproductive system big time and it can really affect our fertility outcomes. And so let's jump in to some of the things that you would want to avoid. And the upcoming episodes uh, leading up to me launching my fertility and nutrition course, we're going to be addressing a lot of this stuff. And then the fertility and nutrition course itself, you'll get a lot of intel on how to manage these things with a simple nutritional approach. So I want to boil it down and make it as simple as possible for you. We will get right back to today's episode in just a sec, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity to tell you about an exciting new project that I have underway. So here it is. I get a lot of questions about what to eat and avoid when trying to get pregnant. Since so many of you are interested in optimizing your fertility via nutrition, I've created a very special course that teaches you the ins and outs of just that. 
It hasn't launched yet, but keep your eyes and ears peeled for my course on fertility nutrition. Whether you are already undergoing IVF or just trying the old-fashioned way, my goal is to help give you all the nutritional tools you need to enhance your fertility and speed your path to baby. All right, let's jump back in. So foods to avoid, and foods and drinks, I should say, that feed yeast are things like sugar, obvious one, but you know, even the quote unquote healthy sugars like honey and maple syrup and monk fruit, they're still sugar. They still feed the yeast. So if we're really trying to give it the smackdown, you really don't want to be having any sugars, including the more naturally sourced ones. But of course, white sugar is the devil. So <laughs> I know it's dramatic, but I would just say really avoid sweet things. Fruit is an issue because it, it is sweet and it feeds the yeast too. So I would say limit it and keep it to the fruits that are lower in sugar. So domestic fruits like berries and apples and pears tend to be lower in sugar than things like mangoes and pineapple and banana. Beer and wine, fermented major yeast feeders, they will really exacerbate the issue. And, and this is something I worry about when somebody is getting off antibiotics and then suddenly they just like they're drinking and they're uh, maybe eating treats or what have you. And I'm just thinking about the candida just proliferating in their system, causing all sorts of havoc. Mushrooms. Mushrooms is something that is lesser known, but it's because they have spores. So generally when somebody's trying to clean their system of yeast, I'm suggesting not to consume mushrooms temporarily. I know they do have some health benefits, but they're just not great for the yeast. Breads, pastas, any refined flour products. Things that are refined will turn into sugar in your blood fast and feed the yeast. Not only that, but they tend to exacerbate insulin resistance and insulin blood sugar balance, and insulin and blood sugar imbalances will lead to more yeast overgrowth. Whole grains are okay because they don't tend to turn into sugar in your blood as fast. That said, because they are a starch, a carbohydrate, they will still feed the yeast. So you can have the whole grains. I would just not have big portions of them. And then fermented products, which I mentioned before, like uh, anything from vinegar to kombucha to kimchi, these things in theory would help the bacterial balance and they would help with good bacteria. But when you already have an issue they're, they're, they have a tendency to maybe exacerbate it. So I'm a fan of using very specific probiotics to control the issue um, with a few things that may also just kill off some of the yeast. And, and that's simply because the fermented foods, although I would want you to integrate that down the line once the issue is a little bit more under control, they have a more wild variety of bacterial strains in them. And the, the encapsulated or powdered probiotics from good companies are just, you know, there's specific strains that we can use to target the issue. And when you're trying to get pregnant, usually you're on a timeline. We're not wanting to dilly dally or mess around with a bunch of things. So I, again, like the more controlled uh, strategic uh, attempt with with probiotics that are pre-made and not necessarily food sourced. And just by the way, probiotics are not all created equal. Like the ones that you buy at, at the pharmacy or at Whole Foods are not necessarily equivalent to uh, the brands that really specialize in doing probiotics. If you wanted uh, resources on that, you can always go to our website, uh, www.naternalife.com or email us at uh, info at and we can give you 
you access to a dispensary that you can order uh, good probiotics from. Other things to integrate besides probiotics, and we'll get back to that in a second, are antimicrobials like oregano oil. It is pretty disgusting, so I suggest taking it in capsules. You can certainly buy it in the oil and just kind of shoot it into your mouth, but uh, if you want something that's not going to make you shudder, then I would probably take the pills. You could take a couple a day for a week or two to get the yeast down. And this does not replace a clean diet. You want to be eating an anti-candida diet whilst you're including these natural antimicrobials. Acupuncture can also be helpful to control the balance of yeast and reduce the inflammation, uh, but I find some of the herbals um, to be really helpful uh, in the short term to, to get it down quickly. Garlic is potent at tackling yeast issues. It is really pungent and harsh on the system, so it's not something that I would necessarily recommend having all the time, even in supplemental form. But again, it can be used for a couple weeks to kind of give it the smack down so that it gets under control really quickly. If you are allergic to garlic, which some people are, then you can stick more with the oregano. There is a actually quite yummy tea called Pau Darko that you can drink. It's sort of like a rooibos tea, and that one is anti-candida, anti-yeast. And back to the probiotics, there was research done that showed that when you have the right strains of probiotics, um, when you're undergoing IVF, it actually has led to higher rates of implantation. So that just, to me, is evidence that the right bacterial and yeast balance in your reproductive system is important for fertility outcomes. Most of the studies done on this stuff have been done on uh, people undergoing ART, assisted reproductive technology. That said, there were small studies done on women and men measuring their fertility uh, if they had candida infection or not. And it was found in several studies that uh, people who had the candida infection present in their body were much less likely to get pregnant. And, you know, it's not only candida. There is a plethora or are a plethora of different infections that can be affecting our fertility. This is one that is fairly easily controlled with our diet, our nutritional approach, and natural medicine. And so, you know, we can blast it with things like antibiotics and antifungals if we want to, but as I mentioned earlier, that could lead to uh, issues that become recurrent, like you end up having more and more overgrowth because you've wiped out the good guys that control the bad guys. So it's my personal approach to uh, counsel in doing this from a more natural perspective to regain digestive balance by um, chewing your food, by eating the right foods, by not overeating, by integrating some botanical medicine and maybe some good probiotics to give it the smack down. And, and this can lead to really pretty amazing fertility outcomes. I've had a lot of patients come to me that I've diagnosed with this issue. And if it's a case of implantation failure, we can usually turn it around pretty quick within weeks. Um, sometimes if it's a systemic issue affecting the egg quality, I've seen us clean up the diet and then the next IVF cycle has been dramatically different. And not for nothing, yes, it will likely improve your fertility to do uh, a, a 
an anti-candida diet like this, it'll also make you feel a heck of a lot better. You'll be less bloated, your digestion will be better, and um, you'll be less foggy, you'll be you'll have more energy. So there's a lot of benefit to considering maybe cleaning up the diet a little bit and reducing the things that might uh, feed the candida. So, you know, look out for my course that's upcoming in the early fall, because I'll be addressing this in the course and be really structured with recipes and a breakdown of foods to avoid and foods to eat and, and kind of how to go about it. But you can also definitely Google the topic and there are plenty of resources on it uh, and you can get started right now. Uh, I know that, you know, everybody's on a timeline of wanting to get pregnant. So go ahead and dive in with some of what I've provided in this podcast and, and you can go and explore the topic a bit more if you think it might ring true for you. Hope this was helpful and looking forward to seeing you next time. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community, and I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at naturna underscore life or at naturallycb to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.